Hi everyone, welcome back to the Earth on Survival Guide, a podcast for all disciplines, paths, players and game masters, and enthusiasts like Josh and myself. I am Dan. I am Josh. And on today's podcast, episode 75, as promised, we are going to talk about all things Aroantical, because in Celtic, dragon is Aroant. So Aroantical is our word for the day. There you go, Lou. How's that one? Uh, So we're going to do all things dragon today. Well, we may not do all things dragon with the number of emails and questions and stuff that we got. <laughs> we will cover a we'll lot. Cover nothing but we'll, dragons. We'll cover a How's bunch. That? Yeah, we will we will talk about nothing but <laughs> dragons and we will answer your burning questions. There you go. About Plenty. dragons and dragon related topics, some of which are lore related and some of which are other stuff. But yeah, we have pages and we pages We will bring of up questions. all of your questions. I do not promise necessarily that you will get the answers that you want. No. So we're going to do a brief, as we've done for all the other name giver races, we're going to do a brief overview on the dragon's life cycle, and then we'll get to all your questions, okay? So we can kind of give this whole, this is what makes Earth Dawn Dragons different from dragons in any other game, named or not named, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, we'll yeah. get to Earth Dawn Dragons. One of my favorite reviews ever on the initial first edition Earth Dawn release was somebody did a review, and I think it was in either Shadi or something along those lines. I forget what magazine it was, but they reviewed Earth Dawn and said, oh, this is a game that did dragons right. They should be powerful. They should not be easy to kill. And they said a, a, a simple dragon in Earth Dawn, a common dragon in Earth Dawn would take out five dragons in D&D. So that's what they, yeah, air quotes common, but that was their, Look, that wanna, was their interpretation. Wanna... We're not here to sling mud. However, yeah, the reviewer said Earth Dawn did dragons right. Understanding as well that the, that the, that at that time that that review was written, you would have been looking at the equivalent of the stats for AD&D second edition. Correct. Which has its own whole thing with regards to dragons and multiple mm-hmm. like age categories and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So anyway. I think the more important aspect of that <laughs> before we get into the life cycle and whatnot. Yes. In terms of dealing with dragons right, in terms of handling dragons appropriately. Yes, good word. That is that in Earth Dawn, dragons are characters. They are not merely bags of meat and hit points that you beat <laughs> up in order to take their treasure. No. They are name givers. They are characters. They are intelligent, sentient beings with their own goals and motivations and objectives. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those objectives are in line with yours. And sometimes those objectives are not. I call them IMCs, independently motivated characters. They're not good guys. They're not bad guys, depending upon how you look at them. Yeah. If you are going to have dragons be a feature of your game. Whether you are going to have that be one of the great dragons and have the player characters get wrapped up in their plots and schemes and manipulations, mm-hmm. or whether you are going to perhaps uh, introduce your own adult dragons who, you know, while lacking the great monitor moniker, mm-hmm. are still very powerful and canny and cunning opponents for reasons that will become clear as we go through this <laughs> discussion this. of their life yeah. cycle. Mm-hmm. But dragons are not necessarily nice. 
They are very, very long-lived and very, very powerful and very, very magically attuned. Mm -hmm. And their general opinions, although it is very difficult to generalize when it comes to dragons, because each of them is a character with their own points of view and philosophies and ideas about how things are supposed to be, the lives of common people, the lives of name givers, the lives of adepts are <laughs> so brief. but an eye blink. <laughs> Even elves, their Even lives cinnamon. are brief in the point of view of dragons. And so in one sense, while you are dealing with characters, you are also dealing with, in a sense, almost characters with, a, with an semi-alien mindset That's, that a being who has especially when you start talking about adult and great dragons, a being who has centuries or millennia of experience and the perspective that that brings on life and the value of the life of an individual is very different. And mm -hmm. so while you may be useful to a dragon to further their goals, they don't probably care about you. Now, there are exceptions, like I'm sure, for example, that Vazden Jass had a, a, a decent amount of affection for mm -hmm. Tiabjan, his scribe. I, I'm sure that the more legendary and famous name givers who have interacted with dragons have positive relationships with them. But Icewing's view of the Kingdom of Thrall is one of a useful piece in the game of status and position that the dragons play amongst each other. And certainly Icewing has an interest in the health and stability and long-term success of Thrall as a kingdom, mm -hmm. but probably doesn't care too much about the lives of any individual Thrallic citizen. No. And even the, the higher nobles and so forth, except in how their lives or deaths might affect the long-term stability of his vassals, mm -hmm. uh, even if it's not necessarily the sense that, that he is ruling them in the way that the, that the king would. <laughs> so, all that being said, let's get started on just dragons in general. We're not going to talk about individual ones from here on out. We're not going to talk about any, any of the named dragons. We're going to talk about them like we have done for the other races, orcs, trolls, humans, dwarves, windlings, all of them, in just the sense of here's how they operate, kind of. So dragons are the first race, the most ancient race, the only race to name themselves as part of their process in becoming whole, full, realized, whatever the case may be. Um, they're born with talons, born with sharp teeth. They have a magical healing ability and natural astral sight, and they get dragon breath, basically, in the egg. They've got it in the eggs. That's how they get out of the egg. They have to weaken the inside of the eggshell to be able to crack through it. If they don't, they'll cook themselves uh, alive as babies and go from there. So, yeah, that's kind of how dragons are... That's what they get right out of the gate. And um, before that happens, the female dragons are the ones in control of when they want to mate. Eh, every hundred years or so, because again, to Josh's point, this life cycle is eons long. Uh, she approaches the male, asks for proof of worthiness. The male lists the attributes of value. It's an intellectual thing. They also do a dance of courting because dragons are incredibly ritualistic. There is a 
pomp and circumstance to just about every interaction they have with each other and everybody else. Yes. So if, if you don't do it right, you will offend them and be a snack. Yeah, and that ritualistic society is something that in his treatise on dragons, Vast and Jass brings up as something that was created in the early days of dragon society as a way of preventing them from killing each other and always going to war, so to speak, and fighting each other and yeah. whatnot. That mm -hmm. with these rituals and cultural practices that they have developed that allows them to exist as a society such as such society as there is yeah. is is largely to help minimize violent conflict between dragons mm -hmm. you know which is to say like direct claw on claw tooth <laughs> on skin conflict the yeah. conflicts that dragons have with each other are much more subtle and generally involve the manipulation or undermining of other dragons assets um, and weakening them in that sense as opposed to charging in and yeah know, i i equate this with more of face. like high high society if you don't obey the proper rule if you don't you know drape your napkin across your lap exactly right then you've you know insulted your host and what the case may be so there's all these little subtle rules that dragons have about how to interact with with them that you have to know so um Anyway, back to the whole maturation process. When uh, the female has eggs to lay, there's always, you know, two, three, four in a clutch, usually three to four. Um, and that incubation period is a once they birth them, <clears throat> they pass them on to the guardians. Now, she doesn't raise her own eggs. The male who she mated with doesn't raise those eggs. They hand them off to a great dragon to actually raise them. So it's kind of like finding your nearest grandfather who's not necessarily is related to you <laughs> uh to have them raise the kids and that incubation period where they stay in the eggs is about again a hundred years or so depending upon who did what and how far along they are so as they hatch the mentor the great dragon uses dragon speech to welcome that hatchling and they learn hunting and flying and survival for about the first 20 years after they're actually out of the egg. If the egg doesn't survive, then the great dragon eats it. So you can't find the thing there. The thing I thought was cool is that the dragon shell is made out of the same material as the dragon scales. So perhaps, and it's never been covered as far as I can tell, perhaps somebody can find a dragon egg shell laying around and make some armor out of it. It's a possibility. Yeah, I think actually one of the questions in that was sent talks about the, the about dragon scale armor and stuff you're assuming like that. So i read we'll all the questions that. first yeah, yeah so maybe we'll get to that <laughs> one the email things we'll get to that i there. did kind of i did kind of skim through them so that i would have an idea of what i was going to be expected to divulge you did more prep than i did at least on the questions part i did all the other prep over here so uh hatchlings uh to be about 20 years old and all they're learning is how to use dragon breath and spell casting and hunting flying and flying and so forth and so on once they get to about 50 they are finally allowed into dragon society they might know their manners by then is a way to put that uh the first hundred years they spent they spend living near the guardian's lair so they're not far from the person who's raising them as a parent construct how's that uh at around 200 the hatchlings actually goes off to live on their own and that's when they come across into adolescence yes that's not the fun stage for anybody 
because <laughs> they are belligerent and irrational and irritable and unreasonable. They lose their magical powers during this period and they enter astral space for the rite of change near the end of this. Um, so they're somewhere between 50 and 100 years old at this point. And that's when they get to actually go emerge as an adult. So this is when they get their forearms because they're born with just wings and well, hind legs. Well, as it's told. <laughs> so here's the thing, and I'm pretty yeah. sure there are questions about this as well. There are. I know there's at least one or two. Hatchlings. Yes. All hatchlings, according to the information provided in Vaz and Jass's treatise, which is where mm -hmm. most of this information has come from. Yes. So understand that while it is presented in the books, there is a maybe a little bit of an unreliable narrator mm -hmm. involved. Hatchlings, young dragons, first hatched, have the typical like head, neck, body. They've got two wings and two legs. They do not have and a tail. Yeah, and well, and the tail. But basically, they resemble wyverns. Uh, they resemble wyverns, and then the question gets raised: mm -hmm. if they look like that when they're hatched, then are wyverns? Actually, adolescent dragons. Vast and Jazz says no. Vast and Jazz says no. Vast and Jazz <laughs> denies it <laughs> profusely. Yes. Says that the resemblance is coincidence. Mm -hmm. It is strongly implied, yeah, but never actually confirmed that wyverns are in fact adolescent dragons. There's a little bit of a potential issue with this, just in terms of. If if you think about it a little bit, mm -hmm. just in terms of numbers, if a clutch only has four or five eggs mm -hmm. and an individual female only clutches every century or so, yeah. the actual numbers of adolescent dragons might not be high enough to justify the population of wyverns depending on how common you think that they are but also you could look at it and say well vast and jass is being a little bit canny in terms of the actual number of eggs mm -hmm. and maybe there are a lot more that are clutched than believed it's possible that maybe the higher population of of wyverns is the result of dragon clutches that are not shared with a great dragon perhaps yeah. there are dragons out there that don't follow this protocol despite its insistence or its its important role in dragon yeah. society it's possible that because of the ideas that dragons have of survival of the strongest and that part of the thing that is talked about with the adolescence stage uh, when they lose their magic and kind of go feral for a bit is to weed out those who mm -hmm. would not be able to survive in the wild yeah. as a dragon. So there's there's all sorts of stuff, none of which is <laughs> confirmed, and all sorts of fun ideas that you could potentially play with if you want to in your game. Yeah, There is no need necessarily to explore that, and I think one of the cool things is actually kind of leaving that question open for the potential ramifications and interesting stories and ideas that might come about as a result of it. I think it's fascinating stuff. But to get back to the point, <laughs> ultimately, when the adolescent dragon 
undergoes the rite of change and enters astral space and forms the astral cocoon where they mm-hmm. transform into their final form. Yes. The form that they come out with is actually dependent, isn't it, on the great dragon that they clutched with? I believe so, because the there is a difference between... Because not every dragon, because there are the, we're not going to get into them in too much detail here this no, episode, no, I don't think. Much. But we've no. got the four different types of dragons that are described in the text. There's the yeah. Western, Western dragon, dragon, the common dragon, which is the one that everybody thinks of with the, the, the four legs and the two wings. The head and the tail. Leviathans. The Cathay dragon, Mm -hmm. the eastern dragon, which has the four legs but does not have wings. Mm -hmm. There's the Leviathan, who also does not have wings, and in fact, their legs are more like flippers. Yep. um, And less less developed. And then you've got the feathered serpents, who Mm -hmm. share that wyvern shape of just the two legs and the wings. Yes. But they have feathers. Mm Mm-hmm. So the the form that an individual dragon comes out with from their adolescence, may, they may or may not grow those additional wings. Those yeah. wings, like they basically undergo a magical transformation mm-hmm. into their new form. And I'm pretty sure this is not one thing I looked up, but I'm pretty sure that that new form is based on the dragon that they clutched with. And so a, a, a Western great dragon would result in Western dragon adults yeah. that, that result. Yeah, it depends upon which... Which is why you tend to have the dragons of similar types geographically mm-hmm. being together. Exactly. So once they emerge, to, as Josh said, they are now named and they get to choose their own name. So Vast and Joss, Icewing, Mountain Shadow, things like that. And that's, of course, what the name givers call them. Maybe what they call each other yes. is a different, different thing. So... Dragon names is a whole other thing. <laughs> That's a whole whole other podcast. I would suspect that their actual names are the sorts of things that can, because they involve dragon speech. Yeah. Are, probably I mean, are not the sort of thing that can be pronounced by, by, by the lesser races by as they describe yes. them. Exactly. By the young races. But they, they have titles. They have honorifics. They have names that they go by. Icewing is not his actual name. No. That is That's what he is commonly known by. Yes. Amongst lesser races. Uh, he mm-hmm. goes by Dollmaker amongst the great dragons. Mm-hmm. And usually those kinds of, of titles come along later in a dragon's life as they have done things to earn those appellations. Yes. So once they are, like I said, they're now named and they, at this point, go to find their own lair and create their own boundaries for their own territory so if they want somebody else's territory there's of course a ritual of challenge to overtake a lair and a territory if there's open territory they just go and make a lair and they claim it and kind of go from there but the interesting thing i think about dragons and earth dawn is they just keep growing they keep getting larger every year so probably probably the bigger the dragon the older it is there's a nice yes. little detail on that one as well. But as I said, dragons are creatures of ritual and they get to be considered a great dragon, air quotes, at roughly 2,000 years old if they make it that far because of all the knowledge that they have gained, all the wisdom that they have learned, all the uh, meditation and pontification they've been able to, to acquire and their status among the other dragons around them. Having survived that long 
earns you some respect as being called a great dragon. So, uh, as I mentioned, dragons are creatures of ritual. They have a meeting ritual, a mating ritual, a parting ritual, a cooperation ritual, a disagreement ritual, a birth ritual, a rearing ritual, a death ritual, a transformation ritual, a communication ritual. And those are just the ones that Vast and Just listed. There's probably more than that. Uh, but as a general rule, you should address a dragon as noble dragon and never use the word common to <laughs> them, to their face. <laughs> Uh, and do not use their name unless you are given permission to use their name. So this kind of reminds me of the movie Rising Sun with Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes, where there is a certain societal uh, hierarchy going on in any room at any given time. And so when Sean Connery shows up as the expert on this culture, he's like, I addressed the senior man in the room. Not the man who was in charge of the project. I addressed the senior man in the room because he needs to be recognized first. Then he can tell me I'm allowed to speak to the, to the guy who's in charge of the project. So that's kind of like that, – that's, that's what this reminds me of is the, the hierarchical order and the rituals involved in dragon culture. Any, any recent thoughts on your – Yes, Josh? I have or? not seen that movie so I can't comment but your description oh, of it does sound very appropriate. It's a fantastic film. It's a really nice whodunit with Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes. I recommend it to anybody if you want to go see that, though. So, dragons do know... Curious, how recently have you seen it? Oh, it's been 15 years. Yeah, I'm wondering how well it actually aged, because that's a movie from, like, the 90s, Late 90s, Uh, because Sean Connery retired in 2000, 2001, uh, but mid to late um, 90s. But it's, like, it's dealing with, like, Japanese stuff, right? Yes, yes. It's a whole culture of Japan. There's a murder going on there. Yeah, but, but like my my reaction is, <laughs> I'm sure a '90s like I don't know. There's a not going to get into the baggage that might potentially need to be unpacked there. Fair. I'm no. sure it's fine, but if you haven't seen it in over a decade, there may be aspects if you were to go back and watch it now. I don't like I said I haven't seen it. I don't know. No, it's okay. Um, it's... Not a, not a huge fan of Wesley Snipes uh, as much of a fan as I am of Sean Connery, and he's got some issues. They all do. So it's, it's not a movie I ever saw. It's, it, everybody does. But uh, yes. <laughs> it does have a few things in there about race relations, yes. So, not going to lie. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> uh, by the way, the, the death cycle of the dragon. So, when a dragon dies, and we do have this since Vast and Joss passed during the fall of Vivane. Sky Point. Sky Point. Dragons are cremated with dragon breath. They were born from the earth. They go back to the earth. They leave ashes. That's it. So you will not find dragon remains. You should not find. You should not be able to find dragon remains. How's that? Well, so. <laughs> unless you go and kill the dragon yourself. Exactly. So, which and, is not an easy and task. Good luck with that. Um, yeah, good. Good luck with that. So dragons know most, if not all, of the name giver languages. They have all the time in the world to study them. They know every movement and posture has meaning as far as when they interact with one another, tilt of the head, flap of the wing, where their body is, how the legs are, are, are arranged. Every single thing that they do either is to, is to convey nonverbal communication as well as the dragon speech communication while they're interacting with other dragons. So dragon yes. speech is more of a projection of thought into another mind. And they have their storytelling and their, their lore is can't say written down, but transcribed and recorded into memory crystals. So as you enter yes. a dragon's lair, if you're so lucky, by invitation, 
you'll find that it's littered like Superman's cave in the For- Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> there are crystals everywhere, but these are the memory crystals. Um, and so all of their lore is written in dragon speech in this thought recording in the crystals. So I find that just one of the more unique bits of flavor for Earth Dawn dragons is it explains the horde of gems and things in their lair. Not a bad thing. I like it. Uh, and speaking of which, the most important place to a dragon is their lair. It's most commonly a cave high in the mountains. They like it dry, temperate. It's cool in the daytime, warm at night. And new, lar- new layers are hard to find because of horror taint in lots of places around bar safe. So other than that, we're going to do this real quick. Uh, dragons sustain themselves uh, magically, but they also like to eat fresh, raw things, primarily carnivorous. Uh, Shalmora is their uh, dreaming-like uh, cat sleep, because cats don't really fall asleep. They just kind of meditate. <laughs> so the Shalmora for dragons is their deep meditation, pondering, where they're not really asleep, but they're, you know, they look like they're resting. And that is a wonderful uh, word to have for what the dragons actually do. So other than that, dragons can and do take name giver form. Yeah. That's fun. So you may have interacted with a dragon in your game and never have known it. It's certainly a, a possibility. So that. Yeah, that's going beyond that verges <laughs> on on spoilers. So we're halfway through this episode. So this is probably going to be a two-parter because we're going to get to some questions now as fast as we possibly can. So lightning round here for Josh. I'm going to read as many off as I possibly can. So on to, and I took off most of the names because just probably don't have time for all these. And a lot of these came from the Earthon Guild. So I didn't even write down anybody's name as to who asked the question. Because the more important thing is let's get the answer versus credit to who asked the question. Sure. So thank you so much for doing the dragon episode. I've always thought Earthdawn and Shadowrun have done dragons correctly. They should be scary. Here are my questions. Seven of them. Will there ever be an dr- updated dragons source book? We have talked about it. My feelings on the dragon source book or really anything that is revisiting material that was published or semi-published from previous editions, like the dragons source book, for example, you've got the uh, first edition unpublished mm-hmm. PDF, which is available to be found out there. You've yeah. got Living Room Games' second edition mm-hmm. Book of Dragons, which takes a lot of that material and updates it for their timeline. Yes. You've got a lot of that material as well was included in the Dragons chapters for third edition and likewise in fourth edition. My feeling on on revisiting any of that kind of material is to find good added value to it, mm-hmm. both from... a uh, direction of what's the story that we're going to be telling what's the purpose of it what need is it going to fill because those previous versions are still available in pdf yeah unlike 10 15 20 years ago when you were limited to just print books because they're all available mm-hmm. at the facet games web yeah. shop or at drive through rpg there's nothing preventing you from going out and plunking down money to get the text that was in those books and to be able to use it Mm-hmm. it's still mostly valid and certainly worthwhile to draw inspiration yeah. from. So and it's still valid. Yeah. There has been some discussion uh, about mm-hmm. dragons. Obviously, we were talking about dragons internally quite a bit when we were developing the stuff around Iopos and Empty Thrones because it kind of does involve peripherally the dragons and actually the final event in Empty Thrones involves dragons quite a bit. There's a big mm-hmm. scene with a bunch of dragons. But... 
again, it's a matter of figuring out what <laughs> what purpose is it going to serve, what new information are we going to bring to make it worth devoting the time to that. Nobody has come forward with anything that they have been super enamored of that has said, oh, okay, that's we're gonna then you're gonna start working on that project. Yeah, I won't say never, but there's nothing currently in any significant stage of yeah, development. Because as far as no, because uh, my and I'm gonna speak for you real quick. So correct me if I'm wrong. Most of what Fourth Edition is doing is trying to put new stuff out there. Aside from the Player's Guide and Game Master's Guide, which you need to just co- codify the rules. Because again, all of the other source, all of the previous editions of source books are still mostly valid. Right. You just don't want to slap a new cover on it and make, you know, and ask people to buy the same thing for a fifth time or for a fourth time. Yeah, or to so provide added to put value new to content previously existing content. As much as like, possible. for example, the Grand Bazaar book that is in development. That's a book that okay. is revisiting Thrall in a sense, but it's, it's going to be focusing on a particular area yeah. and expanding mm-hmm. on some stuff that was not there previously. So that is added value. That's additional material. So that's, that's the sort of thing that. Gotcha. When we get around to mm-hmm. revisiting Vivane, there have been changes in Vivane. And so a Vivane book is going to mm-hmm. focus on those changes and whatnot. Okay, question number two. I know, we're 31 minutes in, and it's question number two. Since dragons use agents who use agents who use agents who use agents, have you ever thought about a supplement about explaining how different dragons would use lower-level players? I think it would be a great metaplot of having the player work for a dragon and never realize it until the higher circles. that is a fantastic idea. I think the original draft of the dragons book, and it might even be in the second edition living room games version as well did have a section about using Mm -hmm. dragons in campaigns i think there's some discussion of that in the player's guide as well there had been Mm -hmm. sort of plans initially for there to be a chapter in the companion focusing on the great dragons that would have gone into that in a bit more depth but that got cut for time and space and so that sort of thing would be a, a great potential value add for a revisited dragon source book kind of getting caught up on the great dragons where they are and providing ideas and guidelines for using dragons in campaigns. And it is absolutely possible if you are sort of really planning out a campaign in that sense, that's going to be focusing on a Mm -hmm. a plot revolving around the dragons in some way to start building that in early and have agents and so forth. Yeah. That the players might not realize that they are, actually working for a dragon early on. So question three is about wyverns and dragons. We already covered that one. It's question number four. Do you think any new dragons will be introduced to bar save that do not move here from someplace else? It feels like there's an implied great dragons in that. Fair. I think there is plenty of potential space for new adult dragons. New in the sense of they have not really been discussed in material previously to be introduced yeah, if it is appropriate for a particular storyline or something like that. We have, for example, Charcoal Grin in mm-hmm. Parlinth. We've got Asante and Night Sky are a couple of adult dragons as well that are described in mm-hmm. the uh, the fourth edition GM's Guide as adult dragons. Not great yeah. dragons, but adult dragons. It is certainly possible that there are other mm-hmm. adult dragons in Save that simply haven't been described yet, and if a story or setting book or something seems appropriate to bring them in, then yeah, it's certainly possible. 
Oh, totally. They're more involved than we know. Uh, will there ever be any information on younger dragons? Like personalities, goals, layers? Yeah, possibly. Again, I think I think same thing with, you know, if it, if it's appropriate, it'll be, you know, involved. So, uh, do the dragons care about what is now happening in Iopos? Yeah. <laughs> as much as dragons care about anything going on with well, the lesser uh, race. Well, again, we're talking about... Yeah. I talked way back at the begin. I talked back at the beginning of the episode about mm-hmm. the dragons' feelings on name givers on lesser races in general. Yeah, the dragons absolutely do care what's going on in Iopos because Iopos is the prime playing piece of the mm-hmm. outcast. Yeah, and so what is going on in Iopos directly affects the plans and plots of the outcast in relation to the other dragons. So the dragons mm-hmm. absolutely would care what is going on there, but they would not necessarily have any particular strong feelings towards any individual. They certainly care and would be paying pretty close attention as much as they could to the Denerastus themselves because of the Denerastus's significance in the whole reason the outcast is outcast. So yes, the dragons do care but again, their view on things is a little bit more long term. I mean, obviously, the dragons get involved in, if you've read Empty Thrones, the dragons <laughs> definitely get involved in things there. And it kind of gives a, mm-hmm. an idea uh, in the sort of conclusion of that, what the dragons, the various dragons yeah. might get up to in the in the aftermath of those events. Fair. Will there ever be any more official legends involving dragons? Maybe. As it calls for, I'd say. Yeah. I've toyed with the idea of a Legends 3. Mm-hmm. Because that is one thing that was a lot of focus in the early development of the game, back in first edition. Yeah. Um, but as the storyline of Bar Save, as the meta plot of the Theron return and the preparation mm-hmm. for the Second War and all of that sort of stuff came into more of a forefront there are legends that are in those setting books as part of the exploration of those various settings and cultures that are part of them but there was nothing that was just sort of a generic hey here's a bunch of stories that you can use as adventure ideas or hooks or something and that might be something that could potentially be put together so it's possible sure yeah again nothing in particular really planned at the moment but who knows We'll see what we'll see what comes up. So uh, he goes on. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. I look forward to it every week. And Dan, thanks again for keeping it going with great content that will one day end up in my campaign. I just record the content. Someone else created it. So I'm not going to take a whole lot of credit, but I did put it together. So I'll take 12% of the credit. Austere and audacious keepers of the Earth Dawn podcast powers penitentiary. Please accept the following inquiries to assist in guiding your episode regarding dragons and all things draconic. One, while it is assumed from the fans and those who study the writings of Tiabjin, describing the knowledge of Vast and Joss that all dragons spend time as a wyvern in their adolescent phase, has there been any book published detailing, or is there a possibility such a book may yet be in the works that would describe the potential adolescent forms of dragons other than the common or Barsavian variety? I think we covered this. We did uh, kind of cover that. As far as the information that has been published so far indicates, all dragons, regardless of which final flavor they take bear that wyvern resemblance yeah in the adolescent stage from hatchling up through adolescence and only take their their Mm -hmm. form at the end so 
it's not that wyverns are adolescent western dragons and that adolescent mm-hmm. eastern dragons have a different form nope at least as vast and just presents it again unreliable narrator he may have his own motives for <laughs> presenting things the do. way that he did yep. that all dragons look like this and then they take a different form upon maturity to adult two as the species of dragons known tend to map to elemental associations common barsavian earth cathay and Sirish air feathered serpents fire and sea well water is there any work on a fifth species of dragon that would map to earth dawn's plant elemental influence no Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> three. Which of the extent, which of the extent, great dragons in Earthon lore do you see as having survived to either of the six ages potentially known? <laughs> well, we're talking about Barsave. Yeah. Generally speaking, and it's a lot easier for me to speak to Shadowrun mm-hmm. than it is to eighteen seventy nine because eighteen seventy nine gotcha. has their own stuff going on, and I don't want to tread on any of their toes. In Shadowrun, Mountain Shadow, a.k.a. Dunkelzon, obviously survived to the Sixth Age. Icewing did. Uh, he doesn't show up until later development. He is Ghostwalker, the dragon that comes out of the rift and ends up, like, taking over a big chunk of Denver. I suspect that Vast Green, which is Usun, <laughs> probably survives and is maybe involved down in the Amazon. I don't think the Outcast does. I don't know. To be honest, I haven't really thought about it. My feeling on the intersetting connections are more Easter eggy than writing a vast millennia long saga of all of the various stuff that goes on. Fair. That's all right. You know, I mean, I I could certainly come up with reasons that any of them necessarily survived. I think probably the only one that doesn't is probably the outcast. Because I think that ultimately there is going to be some kind of conflict, and I don't know that we'll get to it in, like, fourth edition development. It may be something that would be decades down the line. Mm -hmm. But I would see if the outcast gets too big for his britches that the other dragons actually (laughs) act to put an end to him. I can see that happening. So... As it is confirmed that the outcast progeny are dragonkin and that the curtain has been pulled back, are there any other dragonkin in bar save outside of the eye-open or bloodwood spheres of power? My favorite answer is always... Not that we've talked about. You don't know, do you? Um, kind of point. The only, theor- the only theory along those lines is I have heard that people have suspected or theorized that Garlthic, because of his advanced age, is in fact a dragonkin orc. Hmm. I don't know that I personally believe that no he's just i too think garlthic is just too freaking ornery to die <laughs> <laughs> that's the better version that's the better version i like that one better personally um i really appreciate the rich deep history the deep lore related to the dragons and the immortal elves and that mm-hmm. sort of thing yeah i don't like the idea of tying everything to them no I like there to be weird and unexplained stuff that just is. I I grew up on Ripley's Believe It or Not. That's fine. Not everything has to be associated with dragons. Yeah. That's just me. Um, will an upcoming book on Orakania provide greater insight into the feathered serpents who have little revealed in extant Earth Dawn lore? Probably. Okay. There are no plans to do a book about them as of yet. Yeah. Other things in the works. Yeah. If that area gets explored, that is definitely a piece of 
setting detail that would need to be considered in terms of how they interact with or don't with the society that is present in that location. Would you rather be in the employ of a great dragon or a Theron Akarenti? Which great dragon? Didn't say. If you don't say, then I would rather be in the employ of a great dragon as long as I get to choose who it would be. I'd probably happily work for um, for Mountain Shadow. Yeah, there you go. Uh, how should a group of adepts approach dealing with a dragon, whether they seek out such eminence or are subjected to being a group futile to a dragon's whims? Utile? Futile? With great care and politeness. <laughs> study your customs first. Study the rituals first. We talked about the the ritualistic nature of dragon society. Yeah, go read those rituals. There are some dragons that are happy, maybe not quite the right word, but are willing Mm -hmm. to interact with the lesser races as long as you approach them with the deference with which they feel they are due. Icewing already has sort of existing and well-known protocols for people who want to approach him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mountain Shadow at this stage of things is a little bit less welcoming than he becomes later on in his life, at least according to the Shadowrun timeline. Mm -hmm. Charcoal Grin probably might be approachable usun no usun <laughs> thinks that the lesser races are not worth spending time on except mm-hmm. as food yep clearly what's her name the the eastern dragon that's down in Karafad, dvilgainen yeah. mm-hmm. obviously not commonly known that she is a dragon but is more than willing to interact with name givers as is <laughs> i think common to eastern dragons to, to the Cathay Dragons yes, in general. Yes, yes, But yes, in general, with great care and deference <laughs> and politeness, yeah. I still remember the impression that was left by Icewing on the group of player characters when I was running through the Prelude to War storyline, and mm-hmm. they brought the wizard Hefera before Icewing, and Icewing swallowed him in One bite. A, a couple of bites. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Do it right. Or don't do it at all. Will the truth of House Hengyoke's draconic manipulation be confirmed in writing within the next five years? We, uh, don't give me a timeline. Twenty twenty six. Yeah. No, don't sorry. give me a timeline. Things, things kind of work at their own pace. Yeah. As as time allows. Maybe. I don't know. Much like other stuff, it depends on what's going on and and how it relates to what the situation is and is it appropriate for a book that's being worked on yeah i suspect that as things were being developed at the tail end of first edition that the reveal of house hengyoke would have been one of those things that was part of the bar save at war storyline that mm-hmm. i suspect there probably would have been something in there that would have involved them that would have revealed them as they were obviously since we've jumped ahead we would need to find an appropriate place for that to be yeah. revealed unless we go back and do a a war source book, Mm -hmm. which is something that at this point has been potentially discussed. So many spoilers being revealed here today. We, we, there's a lot of hooks that are available to hang things on Mm -hmm. and we don't decide to use them until we decide to use them, which from a game master standpoint who might want to use them for their own game, but doesn't want to contradict official material. If we haven't published it yet, Knock have fun. Out. Yeah. yeah. Go. Is Karafad the most heavily draconic influenced nation in Barsave? No. Iopos is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Hypothetical. How many elves with strong enough dragon blood to survive a down cycle currently reside in Barsave or your best guess thereabout? Probably no more than about half a dozen. Okay. This is from the Council of Jewels. If we're talking about just Barsave, probably about half a dozen. Gotcha. Okay. Certainly no more than 10, but probably between but probably between six, like six to 10. That list comes from the Council of Jewels. Thank you, Jewels. Uh, hope we answered. We did answer all of those. So. Uh, lightning round also. Do dragons have the same scale color all the time, or can they change it at their own will like chameleons and octopuses do? That is a mixed question. <laughs> yes. Generally speaking, dragons have an appearance that that is their sort of native appearance. Mm-hmm. It is very easy, however, for dragons to use magic, whether that is illusion magic or dragons can theoretically have access to talents. There is a camouflage talent. There yeah. is certainly plenty of ways for a dragon to change the way they look mm-hmm. without needing to go to the biological, oh, they can change their appearance like octopuses or chameleons do. No, because the thing I would say that the ability of a dragon to change their appearance that way is largely based on their magical ability and yeah. not any kind of innate biology. No, because if they can change the name giver form, why can't they change their scales? Come on. That's yeah. right. So number two has... Yeah. Has it ever been mentioned some armor or weapons made out of dragon skin, scales, or claws in any of the published material? If so, where and what? Uh, I do not recall specifics off the top of my head. No, me neither. I've never seen one about dragon mail. There may very well be one or two somewhere. Mm hmm. I would need to I do feel a lot like of research on that one. Probably are, but that is a question that would require me to go delving into lists of stuff and rereading item histories and oh yeah whatnot and i just i don't have those details right to mind on a, <laughs> on a moment's notice no i don't have them either there are I'm, there are a lot of them that have been published over the years and i just somewhere I cannot recall some of them exist i'm pretty sure anyway number yeah. three dragon fire is it just magic or do dragons now have some gasoline like spit bag in their neck region it's just magic yeah magic it's an it's it's an innate magical ability when it comes to earth dawn dragons Yes. I'll qualify it with that. Yeah. When it comes to Earth Dawn Dragons, I don't really buy into the idea of with Earth Dawn Dragons of needing to find all sorts of biological reasonings for why thing yeah. explanations of, of why they have the abilities that they have. I know that there was a cool sort of faux documentary and and books and so forth that kind of looked at dragons potentially as, well, if these mm-hmm. were a real thing that existed, how biologically chemically physically would they would they have been able to do the things that they are supposedly able to do we don't need to do that with dragons in earth dawn dragons in earth dawn do the things that they do because they are magical and dragon fire is an innate magical ability that they have they don't need a special organ they don't need some kind of chemical whatever again yeah nothing against approaches to dragons that try and do that no. It's just not something that I think is necessary in terms of trying to explain Earth Dawn Dragons. Agreed. Entirely. Word for word. For Far Scholar and Dollmaker are two of the eldest and most powerful dragons. They are brothers, air quotes, both from the class clutch of all wings, and as such have been described as princes among their kind. Is it possible that any other known great dragons are descended from all wings? Any other known great dragons? No. Because if they were, they would have been mentioned as such in the essays mm-hmm. that the Outcast published that are part of the Dragon's source book. Okay. That does not necessarily mean 
that there are great dragons in other areas. Good point. That have not been mentioned or described that are not descendant of an earlier yeah. clutch of all wings or something like that. Yeah. Just that of the Barsavian dragon, the great dragons that we know of, the only two are uh, Icewing and Mountain Shadow yeah. because they are specifically called out as such. I yeah. imagine if the uh, if any others were, they would have been, it would have been said so. Yeah, because the Barsave is a really small map of the globe. So, does the significance of Barsave in the Fourth World point to the region being important during the Age of Dragons, the Domain of All Wings, perhaps? No. Well, I mean, it's possible, I suppose. It's not something that I've ever considered or, or thought about. We're getting into, like, ancient lore, deep history <laughs> kind of stuff here that, yeah. while fascinating, I don't have the time to sit and muse about <laughs> unless it's something related to a project that I'm working on. Fair. Again, nothing wrong with that. But one of the things that I have found as I have shifted into development is that there are only so many hours on the day. Yeah. And if something is not related to a book, I don't have the ability to focus as much time on it. Fair. The world is a big place. I think part of the reason that Bar Save is the focus is to kind of tie into the idea of the cradle of civilization and how the earliest cities mm -hmm. and whatnot that arose in human history kind of grew out of a little bit further south, but yeah. out, out of that mm -hmm. kind of south central Asian area. Yeah. Because of the of that sort of thing. Mm hmm. But I, I have no idea whether it's I, I don't think that its focus in Earth Dawn is has anything to do with all wings. I don't think that was something that was an idea when it was first developed. Fair. Lou can feel free to correct me on that. But I don't <laughs> think that that feels like something that was developed later. Intentionally so. Yeah. All right. Fair. Uh, was she the lore keeper of the great dragons at that time? Is it possible that she originated this role? I don't know. All right. Next. Uh, this is it possible? Yeah. Did she originate the role? Probably not, because okay. as famous as All Wings was, she was not one of the first dragons. And it feels yeah. like that, that it might have been something that existed prior to that. Mm -hmm. We sort of know a little bit about the previous generation. Yeah. When we, you know, we like we talk about All Wings and, and Thermale and a couple of the other great dragons that have passed for various reasons. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot that we don't actually know <laughs> about the age of dragons and what was going on way back when 10,000 years before earth dawn. Yeah. No. So it's possible that all wings was lore keeper. I mean, there are other positions in dragon society. All wings may have been one of those instead. Yeah. Sure. I don't think it's likely that she originated the position. It, it doesn't it doesn't ring true for me. Gotcha. <clears throat> We're going to stick on all wings for a while from this list of questions. Um, the significance of all wings heart is a bit more evident in Shadowrun. What significance do you place on the heart in the age of legend? None currently. OK, uh, the eyes of all wings are also a powerful artifact. And one of the legends about her. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. I don't mean to be dismissive of that. I know I was I was just rushing to the next question. <laughs> these are questions that's like we don't have anything planned for it mm -hmm. and and this is not out of a oh well we can't touch it because of Shadowrun does something with it later no no <clears throat> if it somehow becomes 
interesting or important to a storyline or something that we're developing, then maybe it will. But as of right now, I haven't given it any thought whatsoever. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I've got I've had other things I've needed to think about. <laughs> uh, the eyes of all wings are also a powerful artifact. And one legend about her death would the would be dragon would be dragon slayers are given the choice between a scale and a tooth. Do either of these items still exist? Sure. I wouldn't see why not. Is that referring to the legend in the Adept's Way from the Warrior? It might be. That's what that's reminding me of. And I didn't necessarily connect that with all wings. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's So if you've got the Adept's Way source book for first edition, uh, mm-hmm. the story talks starts on page 87. Yeah. Um, there live two comrades in arms, a uh, cavalier of a rich dwarf kingdom and her squire and orc warrior. Uh, the dwarf was a sword master. As their legend reached its greatest height, their path took them bound and shackled as prisoners to the court of the dragon known as All Wings. For it was a time when dragons ruled the land and other name givers built legends at their peril. So the dragon, uh, All Wings, I shall award the survivor a great treasure. I offer one of you a shield that I peel from my own back and a mighty sword pluck. Yeah, so yes, All Protector and all biter are the the shield and the sword that this mm-hmm. question is referring to the, the scale and a fang taken presumably from all wings if do those still exist it's possible I don't see why not outside of this legend they have never been described or detailed or as statted. far as i'm aware in any published <laughs> material i don't recall any of those being statted out no i mean they certainly have not been statted out that's something those are <laughs> things that i probably would have remembered yes but yeah, if they existed at all and weren't just a story uh, mm-hmm. to offer a lesson on the warrior's yeah. way, mm-hmm. it's possible that they still exist. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, what other artifacts of all wings might exist? Really stuck on all wings on this I, batch of questions. Well, it's I okay. don't know. Yeah. We've got the eyes. Those clearly exist because Icewing and Mountain Shadow use them to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, we've got all biter and all protector Mm -hmm. the scale and the tooth as a sword and shield i don't know nothing immediately comes to mind i can't i I wouldn't want there to be like a huge number of artifacts connected (laughs) to all wings that kind of seems to me to water down the the, yeah yeah the fact that the eyes exist at all in fact given the Stuff we talked about with dragon death rituals and how dragons be cremated and you're not going to yeah. find remains is a pretty significant, like, if uh-huh. there's a sword in the shield, they may very well be yeah. in a You've dragon's One scale, horde. one tooth, and two eyes. I suspect that, <clears throat> you know, if all biter and all protector in fact exist, they are very likely either lost in some abandoned care, in which case, hey, mm-hmm. there's a great potential a campaign line. hook because I suspect that the dragons would be very interested in getting them uh, into into one of their hordes, mm-hmm. or they are part of an existing dragon's horde, you know, and at that point, maybe who knows what. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head that would seem to be appropriate. No. Or desirable. I'd say those four are pretty good. We're talking about things that thus far don't really have any bearing on stuff that we're working on. So I haven't given it any thought. 
Fair. Um, not that it's a bad question. It's just not a question that I have an answer for because we haven't needed to answer it. Again, we have answers. They may not be the ones you like. Vastinjoss uh, talks about passions as dragon slayers. Is the death of all wings related to the creation of the passions or death's sea? Mm, I think the no. death's sea episode we covered. Well, let me put it this way. Yeah. I don't think so. There hasn't been anything in any of the material that has been published that is coming to mind with regards to the passions or death's sea that mm-hmm. gives any kind of indication that there's any kind of connection to the dragons. Yeah. The only real thing that the dragons say about the passions <laughs> is Vazdanjas, when talking about the passions, says, yeah, we know what they are. And if you knew what they were, you wouldn't worship them. <laughs> that's his that's about all that he says on it yeah a little dismissive but no but i okay. don't think that the death of all wings has anything to do with the passions and i don't think that it has to do with the creation of death's sea i suspect there is a lot unsaid in vazden information there and it's a fascinating interesting <laughs> idea i have not yeah. given it a whole lot of thought in terms of how that interaction might have been. I suspect it might be something from the distant past, like Age of Dragons kind of stuff. Gotcha. But no, I don't have any more insight than that. Okay. Uh, we're not done yet, folks. We're an hour in, but we got more. Promise, we got more. It is well established that Earth Dawn does not support half-breed races, except dragons. I can't recall where I read it, first edition, second edition, whatever, but I remember that dragons opined that in ages past, they participated in this cross-pollination more freely to create a cast of super name-givers to rule others as proxies. But this rather failed catastrophically, so they universally banned the practice and took up creating drakes instead. Apparently, except for Dinerastus, that wacky guy. So, if no half-breeds is a pretty important core mechanic, why do dragons get the special exception? Is it just one of those fun things to throw in to make that ninth name of a race just more complex and mysterious? There's a lot to unpack there. Oh, there is. Okay. Yeah, so I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> to start off with regards to the dragons crossbreeding, yeah. a lot of that is reading between the lines of things. Okay. And it does involve kind of taking stuff that was revealed about the relationships between dragons and the immortal elves and stuff in the, in the Shadowrun, early Shadowrun material. It's like pulling together a whole bunch of things. I don't think it's actually something that has kind of come out and said directly so much. I think, God, I haven't actually looked at the, the manuscript in a while, but the original dragon source book, and it might be, Mm -hmm. repeated in the living room games second edition i think when vazden jast reveals that dragons can take name giver form Mm -hmm. there are some questions that tiabjin brings up that vazden jast kind of skirts around or doesn't really answer and mountain shadow has some commentary in there that's that basically kind of hints at what's going on he's like yeah he got really close to you know no we're not gonna that's (laughs) the the gist of things yeah, they perform they, they they engage in the mating rituals of other name givers, but I don't Yeah. I don't think that the no half races thing I think part of that was a legacy of pre Earth Dawn development. I think that's a something something that's a legacy from Shadowrun mm-hmm. because Shadowrun didn't have half races. And when it was decided that Earth Dawn was which was fairly early in its development. 
yes. that Earthdawn was the previous high magic cycle, that rule had to kind of carry through. And I think then at that point, obviously I wasn't there. I was not involved in the development of the, of that stage of the setting or when those things were made. Mm-hmm. At this point, this is just kind of like speculation. They're dragons, man. <laughs> they, they break the do. rules. They do, they, they are super magical beings. They, they can do stuff. And it's not a, oh, they get the exception to break the no half races rule. Yeah. It's, we needed a reason for them to, and I, I don't even know that I would necessarily go and say that the dragon kin are half dragons. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a really complex kind of messy sort of situation that this was decided because they're super magical and they can take human form or, you know, humanoid mm-hmm. form if they want. Yeah. And if that allows them to crossbreed with the lesser races, what is the result of that? Oh, well, the result of that is maybe we got the immortal elves and the immortal elves were the ones that overthrew them and that's why the dragons went oh maybe this isn't such a good idea anymore and <laughs> just came up with alternate methods of having servants that yeah. would like i know having spoken with lou and having talked to other folks who had worked on first edition development mm-hmm. stuff and reading some of their commentary and things about that a lot of stuff didn't get decided until it needed to be decided yeah I like that kind of development ethos because it doesn't tie you into anything until you need to. Mm-hmm. And so these these questions that are asking like super deep lore things <laughs> about all wings artifacts and various other stuff, it's they're not bad questions, but we haven't needed to come up with an answer for them because they don't tie into anything that we've developed or that has been developed in the past Mm -hmm. if at some point it is appropriate to create that then we can create it if you've Mm -hmm. got an idea for something that you want to put into your game to create go for it have fun that's awesome stretch your creativity there are things that we know perhaps that we haven't revealed there are some ideas that we've got that like the hengyoke thing for example which i haven't made a huge secret of but has not been officially published Mm -hmm. in any material this is a kind of semi-open secret that goes back 20 years yeah or more at this point but mm-hmm. i love how people are are fascinated and engaged by the deep <laughs> lore of the setting i know i understand that feeling because i was there myself yeah. i remember like putting together a charlie board of oh here's the information that we got and here is my wrong hypothesis as to <laughs> what this thing is referring to kind of stuff yeah it's just there's no 600 page volume sitting on my desk or on my bookshelf that, that contains all, all of the secrets that I flip open and have the light <laughs> bathe my face from beneath and put on this amazing grin and just lord over this secret information like a dragon. I'm the person who has this. Own. Yeah. Again, great questions. Love them. But there aren't answers yet there aren't official answers yet there aren't published answers yet because there haven't needed to be fair and follow up follow up oh yeah we got we got got okay like six eight more no you're fine uh are there more hidden or leftover half dragon lineages walking around besides the denerastus maybe ardelia alakia the heaven herds ardelia is not ardelia is a special case ardelia is her own thing we could probably do 
a podcast on our dealie alone. We could we could talk about our dealie for a while, but we're not. <laughs> Again, we kind of addressed this earlier. There was like a question along these lines earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Denerastus, the the immortal elves. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, as a setting developer, in much the same way that I don't necessarily want to tie everything to dragons. Yeah, I don't want there to be bunches and bunches of half dragon lineages running around mm-hmm. because for a couple of reasons, at least in certainly in bar save yeah. and probably not in other parts of the world so much simply because having that really kind of weakens the commitment that the great dragons of bar save at least made to we're not going to do this anymore. It seems to me something that may be more common in areas where the dragons are a lot more involved in the day-to-day life there may very well be dragon kin lineages in Cathay where the Cathay dragons have a lot more involvement with things i have no idea how the Cathay books from third edition address that if they do at all it's possible that in the earthon equivalent of the americas that there may be that sort of thing going yeah. on it's certainly possible in other parts of the world that have not been described that those sorts of things might be in effect i don't see any others going on in bar safe because of the very strong taboo that the great dragons of bar safe at least and the the western dragons i think in general mm-hmm. have against that because of what happened with the elves fair okay uh last one so half races why do they not show draconic traits scales claws like the Dederastus do or do the Dederastus show Draconic traits. According to the Dragonkin information, both in mm-hmm. earlier materials and as yeah. well, and is reiterated in Iopos and or Empty Thrones. Mm-hmm. Dragonkin do tend to display some subtle or not so subtle indications of their draconic lineage. It is strongly implied in the Iopos book, I think, that the Denerastus offspring who are more blatant about their <laughs> about those those signs yeah. are are not allowed to live that they are experimented on down in the flesh forges and various other things um i suspect that the other Denerastus who do maybe have some of those in kind of indications use magic or various other means to mask them to the best of their ability if you're talking about the immortal elves, those being the only other examples of dragonkin that we actually have sort of as a published thing, the immortal elves are their own special case. Most people assume that the immortal elves are dragonkin, and they may not be dragonkin in the way that the Denerastus are dragonkin. Mm-hmm. There may be other things that are going on with them, but maybe not. And it may simply be that the fact that the draconic traits that the immortal elves display is in fact their immortality. Yeah. That could be sort of the draconic trait that they display. I don't know. That's sort of, those are my semi off the cuff thoughts on that. That's okay. I got two, three more questions and then, then we're done. So we're almost there. Um, And this one's just a correction because we talked about it earlier. So this guy asked a bunch of questions we've already answered, but one of them we did not, I think we need to correct correct him on. Why do dragons have a feast and eat up deceased fellow dragons? What they did after the post-Vivain battle. Is it to protect their magic patterns or are they afraid the deceased could rise up from the dead? Go. So one, they They didn't didn't eat them. 
they just burn it. That was as my disgust. Yeah, that was my yeah. correction. I'm like, they destroy the body traditionally. Mm-hmm. They cremate the body. They burn it to ash with dragon fire. Yeah, they only eat the eggs that don't hatch properly. Yeah, they eat the eggs that don't hatch properly. The same way, in fact, that the Scrying do. Yes, although the, there is no real connection in that regard, other than it makes sense from, yeah. from a certain standpoint. <laughs> The reasons for that are not ever really described. I, I don't think it is something out of fear of the animation. That's certainly, I mean, that is a plausible explanation, I suppose. I don't know. It's not something that's ever really explored in terms of a, of a reason that's being no. given or anything like that. Yeah, I just, I, just for a canonical thing, I like the fact that there's no remains of dragons, which is why... Right now, on this generally. Earth, generally, we don't have any remains of dragons to investigate. So, anyway, uh, so softball questions. This is, we can end on a higher note. Um, is it an established secret that wyverns are teenager dragons? I feel like it is. Never mind. Less softball. We talked so, about that. If so, why do dragons seem to have such antipathy toward wyverns? Because teenagers suck, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tweens and teens, man. Sorry. Uh, I have a teenage daughter. I've got a tween as I have well. Two. I have two. And I love them both. They are amazing, <laughs> wonderful people. <laughs> you know, I, I, I talked about, we talked about wyverns and we yeah. talked about some of the potential reasons why dragons treat wyverns the way that they are. Mm -hmm. It's also possible that as Vazd and Jazz says that the resemblance between young hatchling and adolescent dragons and wyverns are completely coincidental totally the question becomes then well what are what are wyverns where do they come from there certainly seems to be a lot of evidence to point to the fact that, <laughs> that wyverns are in fact adolescent dragons going through their feral phase yeah i don't know we talked about that earlier in the episode yeah so that's all i got for you uh otherwise personal question for josh what's your favorite movie with dragons in it we can just end on a higher note that way because i don't i'm not going to ask what the most Earth Dawn Dragon movie you, there is. That's just a that's a whole separate thing. I don't think that's that's a whole separate thing. That's a whole separate. Yeah, I'm just saying favorite movie that has any any dragons in it. If I had to pick, gun to my head, you <laughs> tell me you can only pick one dragon movie with dragons in it. What movie is it going to be? I would probably say Dragon Slayer. Okay, that is a movie that that does not I think get credit. The accolades that it deserves. It did sure. not do particularly well, but I kind of really like that one. Gotcha. It doesn't have a dragon in the sense of it's much more of a feral, wild kind of mm -hmm. nasty beast dragon yeah. than, say, an intelligent one like, say, Draco from Dragonheart. Exactly. Dragonheart, it's decent, but no, I I like overall the story of Dragon Slayer better fair but i also do not have a super catalog of no i don't either <laughs> in my, in my head. i don't either there's um dragon slayer uh dragon heart obviously i just mentioned mm -hmm. yeah reign of fire love that one has its moments yeah but yeah uh, let's see what else has because I couldn't, aside from those three, I couldn't think of any off the top of my head because I didn't prepare that question until I, I, I have halfway not, through the yeah. questions going, eh, we can get there. The clips that I have seen of Raya and the Last Dragon, the, mm. the recent Disney film. Yeah. I want to see that. I just haven't had a chance yet. Me too. 
Nine and a half hours of the day. Yeah, Dragon Slayer is my answer on that. If That's you have cool. not seen Dragon Slayer, track it down. It's a pretty cool, yeah. pretty cool fantasy flick. So anyway, I uh, figured I'd bring all those up. But otherwise, folks, that kind of answers part one of our almost uh, one and a half length episode. <laughs> we did get to all of the emails or messages that people sent. So yes. Those have all been covered here as part of this. We will certainly talk about dragons more in the future. Uh, we talked about doing much kind of like what we did with the passions of mm-hmm. maybe doing a couple, like focusing on a couple of the great dragons or information that has been published about dragons Yeah. in future episodes, you know, getting into more specifics. But that does it for now. That does. So, um, folks. Extra we, long episode for you today, folks. Yeah, whatever we shorted you on the last one, we'll take care of in this one. Um, until next time, it is time for you to never deal with a dragon and your legend. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>